Good evening, and welcome to the evening sermon stream here at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, I do just have a few quick announcements. Uh, first, uh, we are still collecting donations for the various homeless ministries of Athens that have been affected during this time. So if you have any non-perishable food items, toilet paper, water bottles, hand sanitizer, anything else, uh, we ask that you either send the church a Facebook message uh, or send us an email to info at fhbcathens.org so we can organize a pickup and get those items to where they need to go. If you need any assistance during this time, uh, whether it be grocery shopping, whatever it may be, uh, you can reach out to your deacon, or if you're not a member of the church, you can also send us a message on Facebook or an email to info at fhbcathens.org, and we would be happy to help you however we can. And again, that can be anything from picking up groceries, food, any prayer requests that you might have. Whatever it is, there's no request that's too small, so definitely feel free to reach out. Before I pass it over to Brother Mike, let's have a quick word of prayer. Uh, hey, God, I just thank you for this day and this wonderful opportunity that you've given us just to be able to still come together as a body of Christ and worship you. Um, <clears throat> I want to thank you for each and every person that is tuning in and listening or watching this, God. Uh, I just pray that whatever requests they may have, God, that uh, you would just be with them in a special way. Um, I don't know what's going on in everybody's lives, but I know that you do, and I know that you know how to uh, be with them uh, for whatever that request may be. Um, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts for the message that you're about to bring through Brother Mike God. Uh, again, I just thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we have just to be able to come and still worship you. Uh, we love you and we praise you. And it's on your sense then that I pray. Amen. Well, in our study with uh, Esther, we should be through with it in the next couple of weeks, but uh, I'm not going to promise anything. But we are on chapter 8 this week, and we're moving into some the last few chapters, some very exciting times. You know, growing up, I had little patience with puzzles. I mean, I was the kind of guy that I wanted to be outdoors all the time playing. And so uh, sometimes, though, it would be rainy, and you would have to stay inside. Well, my mom and my sister, she... They, uh, they liked puzzles. I didn't. I didn't care for it. There was a few reasons. Uh, you know, as far as seeing the picture on, the, on the, uh, the, the box, and say it's a, a barn uh, and countryside and sky and all this, that was fine, and I didn't have any problem with the, uh, the uh architectural uh, design there and trying to put the pieces together to form that uh, barn or the animals. But once you start moving out and you begin to say, well, you know, where does this go? And you start, uh, all the sky looked the same, the colors and all that. And so you had to look at the pieces uh, really close. And, and I'd get aggravated because I wanted to go and do something else. And, I, you know, I just didn't have the patience for it. It wasn't within my timing. And so uh, what I'd do is uh, I was noted to uh, or known for going and getting my dad's hammer and trying to beat a piece into, uh, uh, into a, a, a certain shape there, uh, space that was there, even though it didn't fit. But... Puzzles and fitting them together is, is kind of like what we see with uh, Esther and what's happening throughout the book. Uh, just like with our life, and we may 
grow impatient with a puzzle. We may not see it all. We may not be able to uh, put it all together right away uh, and see the overall see the overall picture of it. Uh, we may see it on on uh, uh, you know the outside of the box, but we, as far as a puzzle, we may not see it all. Looking for the pieces, looking for the little pieces, and trying to find the right space. Well, I want to tell you, God does see all. And with life, he knows where each little piece goes. And, you know, he, he doesn't have to try and manipulate the pieces in. He doesn't get frustrated with, uh, you know, it, it, it not being done in a certain time. He, he doesn't get sidetracked with wanting to do something else. He sees the overall picture. He's the sovereign God, and he's putting it all together. And he's putting it together in his timing. Not too fast, not too slow. Everything's just perfect. And so, as we look at this, we come to Esther and we see the pieces being put together. It's really neat. And it's so important, first of all, it's so important that our perspective in looking at these pieces of life, in looking at things that come our way. And let's just say like with Esther, storms in her life and how they all fit together. And storms in our life, when our perspective is wrong, then we will, we will miss what God has for us. So our perspective when storm comes is very important if we are to weather them successfully. It was the same way with Esther. Now, Esther lets us know that when all things appear to be converging into a perfect storm, God is there. We see it in her life. We see it in the storms that she was uh, uh, being affected by and, and the big storm that was coming to its climactic uh, point. And so what we need to do is we just need to believe that God is there and trust Him with our situation, with our storms, or whatever it might be. We need to make sure that we don't jump ahead of, of God, reacting instead of uh, acting under His grace and leadership and power. And that's what Esther was trying to do. And so uh, he is operating in order to move things towards uh, a, an accomplished will of His. And he knows where every piece of the puzzle goes. He knows every storm that occurs. He knows every part. And sometimes God allows those situations, those unpredictable problems to step into our lives, just like with Esther, in order to take us to a place where we've never been before. And we would never have been able to go on our own. And so... The pains and pressures that come with such situations hopefully will propel us to, uh, uh, to greater heights as it did with Esther and, and Mordecai and the Jews uh, that were involved there. To greater heights of, of focus and zest and, and, and power and piety that you know, wouldn't be accomplished on our own. So as we look at this, we see... Esther being propelled there, Mordecai being propelled there, and the other Jews 
in Persia being propelled there. And so as we look at this, we need to understand there is a warning though. And that warning is if we don't realize and understand that God is at work, then the, in these difficult situations, in these storms, in these uh, uh, circumstances that come our way that are unpleasant, then instead of growing stronger, we will have a tendency to become cynical, untrusting, and fearful. Now, Esther helps us to understand that God is at work and that we must trust Him, even when we don't understand everything and we don't see what's happening. We don't see the, the picture coming together like we would like to. Even when we don't see Him and, and wonder if He's even you know, around or if He's even caring about what's going on, you know, He's there. Because we must understand that God's ways are not our ways. And he doesn't normally orchestrate things in a, a normal fashion, if you will. It's not a, a regular occurrence for God to succinctly work things uh, out straightforwardly. Sometimes we wish that he would, but it, it just doesn't happen that way. Like the, the Israelites when they uh, came out of bondage uh, in Egypt took them 40 years where it shouldn't have taken them any time to move into the promised land. But their moving out was a moving out of zigzags and not a straight path. And it was for a reason. It, and so he usually weaves us as we wait. He, he positions us as we pause and, and he maneuvers us as, as we move along. If we allow him to. Then when he is ready for all the pieces to fall into place, nothing is forced. It falls into place. And that's how our God works. He is in a hurry. The timing is always right with him. This is what happened with Esther. You just look at these puzzles and, and pieces of the puzzle that fell into the right place. The Israelites who were under Persian control, some had returned home, but some were... Uh, remain there in Persia. There was for a reason for that. All of them could have gone back, but if a man by the name of Haman had, had, had have had his way, then all the Jews would have been wiped out. So there were some Jews left, there were some Israelites left in Persia for a reason. And two of those were uh, the, uh, queen Esther, or Esther, who became queen, and Mordecai. Uh, so we, we see that uh, uh, the king, uh, who is Ahasuerus, who uh, is married to Vasti, uh, is, uh, you know, refused by his, uh, him to, to come over and, and perform for him and some other diplomats, and he gets... Uh, angry at her, and so she is uh, released from her position, removed, and, and moved out. Then after a period of time, he, he becomes gloomy, and uh, he misses her, I'm sure, and misses the uh, compatibleness and the uh, relationship there. And so they place before him a, a, uh, a, a beauty pageantry, so to speak. And one of the uh, young ladies that is brought forth is is Esther, 
who he chooses. He's pleased with. And he chooses her as his, his queen. Now, he doesn't know that she's a Jew. Uh, he doesn't know her, that Mordecai is her cousin. He doesn't know that either one of them are Jews. And so when she's placed as queen, then who becomes in the royal uh, or in a royal position? Not as king, but as one of the king's uh, men. And that is Mordecai. He's, he's uh, placed at the gates. And so uh, as he's there and as he's serving, Haman, uh, he uh, finds out about a plot against the king uh, to have the king killed uh, by two of his men. And so uh, two of the king's men. And so he re relates that to the king and the king what? Uh, they find out that it's true and they have those uh, people executed. Well, uh, he's overlooked as far as uh, being uh, rewarded for that. And that was unlike the Persians to do that. Uh, but everything's recorded in the Chronicles. And so uh, this will come up later. And, and, but Haman, who is manipulating and working his way up, he uh, impresses the king enough with his ways that he's made kind of like a prime minister to him. And he has everyone bow before him just like uh, a king would. And, and what happens is Mordecai refuses to. And that just makes him angry. And he also uh, is, he does not uh, seem to be too keen with the, uh, uh, the Jews. And so he has an uh, edict uh, signed by the king. The king probably didn't pay attention totally to what he was signing. And, and it was to have all the Jews wiped out. And it just over and over and over again, the story begins to, all these pieces begin to fit in place. And you, then Mordecai comes to uh, Queen Esther and says, you've got to talk to the king. Well, she has two banquets with the, uh, the king and Haman. But she doesn't mention anything the first time. And, uh, uh, you know, you wonder why. I mean, the time is uh, passing by and there was her chance, but it wasn't God's timing and the peace didn't fit yet. And so uh, after a while, uh, we see that the reason that it didn't fit was because Haman had to be revealed for who he was. And he was uh, revealed that way. And uh, as the queen later at the second banquet told uh, the king that it was Haman who uh, was the, the evil one and what his plot was to do. And, and then the king, being mad, left the room. And as he left the room, when he came back, the timing was just perfect because here uh, Haman was at uh, Esther's uh, feet uh, begging for mercy, and he sees her there, and, and so he gets even angrier uh, at he, uh, him. And so he has him ushered off and, and uh, hung on the gallows that he had made for Mordecai. And all of this was fitting all the puzzle pieces together with the, at the right timing. All of it fell in place because God was sovereign. They had been praying about it. They had been seeking out God's will. And God worked it all out. We don't always do that, though, do we? We jump ahead of God. We try to work things out. We're, um, you know, we're people of the moment, uh, we, we, and people of control, and we want to be in control of things. And so uh, if, you know, we, if we're not careful 
And uh, if we act from our senses and, and uh, excuse them for being uh, under the leadership of the Lord, we'll do things in the flesh and do things uh, by sight and, and not by faith. And uh, a lot of times that causes greater uh, chaos and, uh, and it causes greater uh, hurt and, and uh, you know, feelings of uh, defeat and other things on our part. So Haman, uh, you know, uh, he was uh, killed. And, uh, but that wasn't the end of the storm, you know. That wasn't the, all the pieces put together. Sometimes uh, we, we see this and we say, wow, things are really working out. And it looked like they were really working out. But there was one thing that was a problem here. One piece that they couldn't get worked in there. But God knew where it went, and he knew what to do. And that piece, that storm that was bothering them, was a storm of the edict. In Persia, you could not have a law written like that and overturn that law like we do today and like other countries do. Uh, you know, we call it unlawful. Uh, the uh, judges rule it that way. Well, you can't do that. You couldn't do that in Persia. When it was said, it was said in stone, so to speak. And, and uh, you couldn't revoke it. So weathering the storm successfully, second of all, involves seeing God's grace and power at work. This is what they needed. They needed to see God's grace and power at work to encourage them because the edict wasn't going to change. The storm wasn't going to go away. It just needed to be placed in the right place. And it says, On that day King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman and the enemy of the Jews to Queen Esther. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had disclosed what he was to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. So as I said, things look great, but the storm is still there. Storms, you know, may involve with us intimidating persons. Uh, those who are, are loud and obnoxious and, and seem to be powerful. Uh, those who are uh, stubborn and, and won't give in or won't listen or won't compromise. Those of bitter spirit. You know, whatever that shape of the storm may take, God can calm it. He knows exactly where to put that piece of the puzzle in. Uh, when we, uh, you know, left Esther, the king, and Haman, things looked great for the queen. Haman was uh, escorted off, hung. Now, uh, all his uh, belongings and, and, and uh, his riches were given to Queen Esther, and she gave it to her cousin Mordecai. Uh, they told the king that they were cousins and all this. The king made Mordecai uh, uh, his prime minister, so to speak. He took Haman's place. And so all things seemed to be going great. And, uh, you know, God in his grace and in uh, his uh, sovereignty, uh, he can take these storms like with the king and like with Haman and he can change the storm into calm waters by placing it in the right place. 
may not get rid of the storm. The storm may still be brewing underneath, but he can place it where it's calmer for our hearts and our souls. Just like Proverbs 21, 1 and 2, it says, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whatever he wishes. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. So we ask ourselves, what storms are we experiencing today? Or we've experienced recently. One storm may be a, a, a storm of uh, fear. It may be with this issue with uh, this virus. And, you know, all of us are uh, fearful to a degree. But uh, with that fear, we can turn it into being careful. And with that carefulness, we can turn it into faith and trusting the Lord. Knowing that he's going to take care of all this. And so, we, uh, it, it may be at work. It may be a promotion that uh, we, we deserved and we knew that we should have, but uh, we didn't get. Or being harassed by a worker or, or someone at work. We may still remain in the storm, but the proper perspective of knowing God's grace and His, His control in the midst of the storm can help us weather it successfully. God hasn't promised us promotions. He hasn't promised us uh, pay raises. Uh, he hasn't promised us that there won't be any difficult people to deal with in our lives. But what he has promised us is he is in control and that he has written the last chapter. He has control of putting in the, the right pieces of the puzzle at the right time uh, and and having the total view of it all and, and being in control of it all, putting everything together. So situations, yes, were changing for the better, but some things remain the same. And so Esther spoke again to the king, fell at his feet, wept and implored him to avert, to change the evil scheme, Haman the Agagite and his plot, which he had devised against the Jews. Haman was gone, but his edict was still in place. And it would not change. It would not be removed. But God in His grace, it, he, it's, His grace is sufficient for all things. Paul tells us in 2 uh, uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 9 and tw uh, through 12, And He has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness, most gladly, therefore, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Esther was experiencing God's grace. She knew she was weak. She knew she couldn't change the, uh, the king's heart. And she couldn't change this edict. So she had to depend on God and his grace. You see, the edict had not gone away. The storm had not uh, dissipated. But in her weakness, she was seeing the light of God's grace shine brightly. And it was overcoming the storm. Then we see uh, Queen Esther interceding for her people. He says, Then Esther spoke again to the king, fell at his feet, wept, implored 
him to avert the evil scheme of Haman, the Agagite, and his plot which he had devised against the Jews. So uh, the king extended the golden scepter to Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. Then she said, If it pleases the king, then if I have found favor before him and the matter seems proper to the king and I am pleasing in his sight, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the calamity which will befall my people and how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? She was brokenhearted. Notice how God diffuses the king with Esther's wording. She begins by saying, I know it's not you, it was Haman. But please do something. And then she uh, falls and, uh, before the king and on her knees and begins to plead with him and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, cry for help basically from God in, in trying to intercede with the king. And this is a strong example how we should be interceding for one another. And especially interceding for the lost. We should be broken hearted and we should be praying for them. And we should be coming before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Even though she, uh, you know, her request for the uh, edict to be revoked remained and the storm remained. It did not mean that God wasn't at work. And that his grace would not be sufficient for it. In the midst of the storm, God's grace becomes sufficient. So King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given the house of Haman to Esther. And him they have hanged on the gallows because he had stretched out his hands against the Jews. Now you write to the Jews as you see fit. In other words, okay, I've taken care of this. Now I want you and my people to come up with something and write that will over, overtake this, in other words, uh, that will supersede this, so to speak. And as you see fit in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring for a decree which is written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's signet ring may not be revoked. In other words, when they see this, it's as good and it's better than what Haman said. So the king's scribes were called at the time in the third month, that is the month of Sylvan, on, 20, on the uh, 23rd day. And it was written according to all that Mor Mordecai commanded the Jews, the satraps, the governors and the uh, princes of the province, which extended from India to Ethiopia, provinces to every province, according to its script, and to every people according to their language, as well as to the Jews according to their script and their language. He wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed it with the king's signet ring and sent letters by couriers on horses riding on steeds seared by uh, the royal stud. And in them the king granted the Jews who were uh, in each and every city the right to assemble and to defend their lives and to destroy and kill and annihilate the entire army of any people or province which might attack them, including children and women, and to plunder their spoil. On one day in all the provinces, King Ahasuerus, the 13th day of the 12th month, that is, month of Adar, a copy of the edict to be issued 
as law in each and every province was published to all the people so that the Jews would be ready for this day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers hastened and impelled by the king's command went out riding on the royal steeds and the decree were given out in the citadel in Susa. So as we see this, we see that the, the God's grace allowed them to come up with a, another decree that really uh, had more, uh, if you looked at it from the, uh, the eyes of not just the Jews, but even the Persians, it, it looked like it had uh, more authority than Haman's even. I mean, they thought, okay, here, the Jews are allowed to, uh, to defend themselves. And the king is behind it, but not only that, he's put, he's got a queen that is a Jew and the prime minister that is a Jew. And so I'm sure that put a lot of thoughts into their minds about, hey, if we attack them, what would come of us? And then we see uh, with this that, uh, that nobody, and I mean nobody, has a final say over us as a Christian who lives by the Spirit in the will of God. And that means that we never have to live afraid uh, in whatever storm it might be. Uh, you never have to be threatened in life uh, in whatever storm you, you may be in because God is fitting the puzzle together. He supersedes all. He knows where everything goes. We may not see it at the time, but He does. And he, he will work it out uh, according to his will uh, in his time. And as we move on, we see that God's grace not only is sufficient for our needs, but also bless, uh, blesses our faithfulness. It says, Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white with a large crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. I mean, they were blessed by hearing this and by seeing this. For the Jews, there was light and gladness and joy and honor. In each and every province, in each and every city, wherever the king's commandments and his decree arrived, there was gladness and joy for the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And this is the beautiful part about it. Not only were they happy about it, not only did it give them assurance and, and uh, you know, blessedness, but and many among the peoples of the land became Jews for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. Not only did God deliver his people uh, through this turn of storms and events, but he also brought many people into his fold from this as a witness what God had done for his people. God can do the same with the church, with us, as people see what God is doing through us. Thank you. Thank you again for that wonderful message, Brother Mike. Please be sure to tune in on Wednesday night at 6.30 as we'll be continuing to do our prayer service uh, via web conference. Uh, we'll be sending out the link to that. You can also find the link to that on either our website, fhpcathens.org, or on our Facebook page. Again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a great week.